he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ today. We're glad that you have chosen to join us for this week's sermon of the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene. God's Word is full of timeless truths that are relevant to our lives today. Here's this week's message. Let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to spend some time on the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to read for you today from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain. After he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecute the prophets who were before you. To hear Jesus' blessings as he has just gathered the crowd around him, he's beginning his ministry. And Matthew, uh, so far, uh, no miracles have been done yet. He's just called his disciples and he started to teach in the land. And people are like, there is, there's something going on with this, with this guy. He, his teachings are amazing. They're, he's starting to gather them together and they're following him. And he begins this sermon with a word of blessing. And this is unusual. On the one hand, uh, usually we're, we're accustomed to hearing the blessing at the end of the service. And he begins with this, and we'll come back to, I think, why I think this is. But he goes again and again saying, here's why you're blessed. Here's why you're blessed. I want to talk just a little bit about that word and about uh, uh, e- each of these moments where he blesses them. If you look at, you can look at some all kinds of different translations whenever you're reading Scripture. Every now and again, we'll find that the Scripture we have up on the screen during Scripture is just a little different than the Scripture that perhaps is uh, being read from up here. And you see, okay, there's a little bit of difference. And there, there's a contemporary version of, of the Beatitudes that goes, happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are the meek. And it kind of sounds weird, I think, in part because I'm used to hearing blessed. But also, happy just seems so diminished. So like, uh, okay, like that just seems odd. But, but they are trying to understand it in a way of saying, you know, there's a couple different ways you understand this word for blessed. Uh, this, this word that in the Greek often finds itself displaying and being used in other Greek writings as, as a sense of satisfaction, of great joy of having accomplished something. It is a way of saying, I'm happy or I've been blessed or, or there's congratulations due because I've attained what, what I've set out to do. And so there's a, there's a sense in which this is something to strive for, to search for. And I know many times I've approached the Beatitudes reading them, thinking to myself, this is what I'm supposed to strive for. These blessings that God, uh, that Jesus speaks on the mountain, on the mountain is a way of me looking at this and going, okay. How do I live out my life, or how will I be faithful as one who, oh, is poor in spirit, as one who mourns? 
And so I find, so oftentimes I find myself trying to figure out, well, what is Jesus saying here that he wants from us that we're supposed to live? And so I can look at the blessing, for instance, in verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we know that God's spirit desires to be with us. And he desires to see us through the valleys. He desires to lift us up. So it seems weird to think poor in spirit. Unless, of course, he's talking about those who are living as if they were poor and they are doing so in spirit. As a way of saying, live within whatever means God has given you, but don't let the claim to whatever God has blessed you with detract you from caring for others. That you would be poor in spirit. Kind of like the, the story, Jesus tells a parable kind of like this, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The story goes that there is, a, uh, uh, there is a beggar named Lazarus at the city gate, and he's pleading and he's asking for help and asking for anyone to, to, to help him uh, get enough money for food for the day. And a rich man walks by and just scoffs. No, not, not interested at all. He's not getting a set and just goes on his way. And, and this is just a parable that Jesus is telling a story and as the story goes, the rich man ends up uh, passing away very quickly and uh, afterwards and then uh, finds himself on the wrong side of grace, <laughs> finds himself in hell and finds himself wondering, oh no, I need to go back and warn my family. And Jesus says, well, they have the prophets and the teachers of the law to warn them. And it becomes this interesting kind of story about God's grace, all centered around someone who wasn't willing to help uh, with the means that he was given. And Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So we find ourselves looking at this. Is that what he means? Okay, I need to be poor uh, in spirit in a way that what, I, what I've received, I don't take as a claim to my own because then the reward is the kingdom of heaven. And then, we, and then we hear the passage, blessed are those who mourn. And we, we find ourselves thinking, okay, but if I'm supposed to, if this is a goal, then maybe this is Jesus' way of saying, let though be who you are where you are. That if it is a season of mourning, that's okay. If it is a season of, uh, of, of working through issues and things that have happened, that is okay. Because there is comfort if you own who you are and allow others to come close. That we're not all called to be Stoics who just kind of like, oh, nothing shakes me. Nothing moves me. And even, even the next beatitude, blessed are the meek, they'll inherit the earth. Uh, it, it comes right out of the 37th Psalm. Verse 11 of that Psalm says, the meek shall possess the land. It is, it is a promise that has always gone with them, that God is going to be with their people. And, and even as we look at hungering and thirsting for righteousness, it is, it is reminding us that indeed we can be a people who care about justice in our land, care about God's will being done on earth. This is something we pray every single week. May God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that let our hunger and our thirst for this righteousness, for God's will and His justice, indeed to be enacted in our life. And again, to be merciful and to be pure in heart. And it's when I get to this pure in heart that I start saying, well, maybe, maybe the Beatitudes are more than just a goal. Because the, I found myself thinking, if I have to interpret poor in spirit to be a, be a way of saying in spirit is just saying, you know, how we're supposed to look at the word poor, then I find myself thinking, well, surely he means we have to be pure in more ways than just in our heart. 
You know, that, that classic, like, oh, I've really messed up, I've done some things, I've hurt some people, but you don't know my heart kind of argument. <laughs> like, wait a minute, we kind of saw it on display. Uh, but God is, God is saying, no, uh, bless, or Jesus is saying, I'm offering blessing to those whose purity goes deep down. Who, who, whose purity is something that says, I want my life, my will, my heart to be God's. And so immediately I find myself thinking, okay, I think this blessing transcends more than just a goal, something to shoot for. I think a lot of times when we receive blessing and we we experience um, uh, God's blessing, it is is one where we're saying, "I, I see that God knows me, sees me exactly where I am. That uh, uh, for, for Jesus to pronounce blessing is not just a way for him to say, hey, this is something I want you to shoot for. But I think there are some things in here worth shooting for. To be a peacemaker? Absolutely. To be, that, that would mean being called children of God because God is all about reconciliation. God is all about guiding people back to, who, back to his love, back to who he is. All about helping us learn to love our neighbor as ourselves. Yes, no wonder to be called children of God we would be peacemakers. Absolutely. And indeed, to strive for purity of heart. Yeah, that's a good thing. We should. But I, I have a, as I've looked at this and spent more time in the Beatitudes, I just can't help but imagine the people who have been following Jesus are hearing his message. And they're hearing his message in a hard time. In a time when they have, of course, all kinds of personal things going on, but they have all kinds of problems going on in their nation and around them as well. And they're starting to hear and hold on to every word Jesus says. And they're following. They've gathered around him. And I think he gets up on the mountaintop to address them. And he's, he's about to tell them how they're going to live and walk and, and carry on their life in a way that is obedient to the law of God. But he begins with blessing. And I think the reason he begins with blessing is because he sees them where they are. He sees them exactly where they are. And he says... God wants to pronounce blessing on you. You who are poor in spirit. You who are mourning. You who are meek. You who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness and for God's justice to come and be a part of this world and indeed redeem it and restore it and long for it and hunger for it and desire for it more than anything else. Jesus says, God sees you precisely where you are. He looks upon the crowd, and I don't think he needs to say, hey, why don't you just get your act together? I think he looks on them and says, these people need hope. These people need to know God sees them. That our God is a God who knows us precisely where we are and cares about us. And that is true about everything about Jesus. He knows where we are and sees us precisely where we are. There are people who could, uh, who, who could look at this and say, well, I thought I was meek, or I thought my spirit was already poor. I'm already broken. How much poorer do I need to get? How much more meek do I need to get? And I don't think that's what Jesus is saying, but if we just looked at this as a, as a goal, this is what you have to do in order to inherit the kingdom of heaven, or in order to receive mercy, we would, sometimes we would find ourselves during the hardest parts of life saying, man, how much harder does it need to get? But I think Jesus looks at a people who are hurting, looks at a people who are wondering, okay, why is there so much corruption in our world? Why is there so many things going wrong? He looks at the crowd. 
A crowd not unlike people we know. People who have shown mercy. People who have been peacemakers. People who have mourned. People that he says something so just unusual to them. He says, you're blessed. And it's usually in those moments we say to ourselves, I am anything but blessed. I, it seems like I am far away from where God, where God is moving and what God is doing. And those kind of moments, it seems like, oh man, has God turned His back? And Jesus says, no, you're blessed. Not because of something you did, but because God's eye is upon you. God sees you exactly where you are. His mercy is upon them, and God will not forget this. Under this kind of reading, under this way of taking it, blessing is not just a goal of something we're supposed to do, but a state of being when God sees us as we are. And so now I feel like I don't have to do any kind of poor in spirit translation gymnastics or, or do that with pure in heart either. They function at their most basic, at front, face value translation. He's speaking to people who are literally just spent, just, just broken down, just, I don't know, I don't know if I feel close to God, I don't know where I'm at. And he says, I'm blessed are you even where you are. God's kingdom is available for you. He's speaking to people who he wants to receive the blessing of God. And so God isn't saying to those who have nothing, to those who are struggling, to those who have doubts, well, you just have to do better. No, that's not it at all. Jesus is saying God sees it all. And the pronouncement of blessing is precisely because God's seen you and he's not going to let it last. We just ended a series. Uh, just this last week we ended a series where, where the people of God had, had been in exile and, had, and generations. They had been wondering, okay, where's God in all this? We just ended a series where they came back and they restored the temple, they restored worship, and they're celebrating, they're praising God because he's seen them through. And we see that it is indeed God's very desire to redeem and restore his people, that this is what he wants to do. Uh, that he will be true to his promises and his desires even to the very end. A God who doesn't leave his people in a state of exile. He doesn't leave his people in a state of forgottenness or of despair. He doesn't leave people in a state of injury or destruction or, or wondering, okay, wh where is life going? But God sees us and he is the God who liberates and sets free. And so this promise of blessing is because Jesus knows it's already at hand. All these people who are gathered around the mountain are blessed as they are trying to live out right now their hope for the future. They're seeking peace today. They're pure in heart in this life, in their jobs, in their relationships, and among their friends. They're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, not just hoping someday things will turn out better, but they're hoping for it now, looking for justice and reconciliation in their communities today. When Jesus pronounces blessings upon these people who are gathered uh, around the mountain, he lets them know, yeah, God knows where you're at. And I think we're going to keep this in mind as we go through the Sermon on the Mounts. The entire sermon, we're going to spend some time on this, uh, is a sermon that's not just a return to a cold, law-centric face. Here are the laws. But rather, well, we're going to find that he frames the law within God's grace that gives hope and empowerment for those whom God is watching. And, and, and in its own way, 
calls out those who try to manipulate the law for their own gain. And so the blessing comes first. I think in this passage of Scripture, because this is Jesus' way of saying, as I continue on in this sermon, I want you to remember as you read, God sees you where you are and is offering hope, encouragement, and empowerment to live faithfully to God in this life. The Sermon on the Mount is not going to be turned into, "Uh uh-oh, you've messed up once, now you're in trouble. God sees you where you are and wants to empower you and lead you and be with you to fully experience and embrace the promises laid out before you. So today, God is indeed calling us to live out our lives in ways that are described in these beatitudes, in these blessings. And if we've spent time in churches, we don't have to think much about the kind of messages we often hear, messages that I've often preached. We need to pray more. We need to forgive more. We need to love more. We need to give more. We need to attend more. We need to act accordingly. We need to, you know, whatever it is that the Bible's saying in that moment, do this more. <laughs> Today, I share these Beatitudes not to tell you, well, you need to be more meek. <laughs> Are you high in spirits? Things going great? Oh, better get poor. <laughs> uh, tune that down just a little bit. Now, today I want you to hear this. Jesus sees you where you are. He really does. Where you are right now, He sees you. And He says, you are blessed because God sees you personally. This isn't just looking at, oh, I see all the world I've created. He has a unique vision where He sees each and every one of us for the person that we are. And He knows us. That's a very particular vision. It's not just an overview, but it's a, I know you for exactly who you are. And so these Beatitudes are not a warning of, oh, you haven't been good enough. They're a promise that when you've been faithful, and when you haven't seen the results yet in this world, when there's still righteousness that hasn't been served and you're hungry, when meekness hasn't produced results, And in this dog-eat-dog world, it seems like you need to be anything but. When peacemaking doesn't seem to work in a world hell-bent on war, know this, God gets the last word. Continue in your faithfulness. This is living according to the kingdom of heaven, that kingdom that we pray every single week here uh, in the Lord's Prayer, the kingdom for which we are called to live towards, All these beatitudes are bracketed by the promise. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Look at that. Blessed are the poor in spirit, he begins. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 10, blessed are those uh, who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So when this kingdom in this world doesn't deliver when our lives are living faithfully to God, don't yield, don't give up. Our God is the great Redeemer and He will be faithful. In fact, Jesus suspects if we continue on this way, actually living according to the kingdom of God, actually expecting that there's something more than the status quo, there's something more than just continuing to live in greed and violence or anger or or haughtiness or or, or sense of superiority, Jesus suspects in those kinds of moments we will find ourselves persecuted. And Jesus reminds us, that even in those moments, there are those who went before us 
and modeled faithfulness who experienced just that, the prophets who were before us. And he reminds us to keep our eyes on the Christ who sees us, on the one who is above us and is still with us and saying, God knows where you are, and our God has always been the God who desires to redeem and restore, and he sees you, and you will be blessed. And so today, this passage I want you to hear, not as a, oh, how do I do this more? I mean, there, might be a, uh, there may be a sense in which we find, oh man, I'm not a peacemaker at all. Okay, God sees you where you are, and he's willing to work with you with that. Because God sees you, we are blessed to be able to see that God has said, may not be done with you yet. Let's open up our arms, our hearts, our spirits to the God who says, I want to bestow upon you blessing and promise for this day and the day to come. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I suspect there are a lot of reasons why we might come to church on a Sunday. We might come to worship you. Just say, okay, it's been a while or or, uh, it's been part of my rhythm. Here I am just to worship you. And we see what happens from there. We might come because we know that uh, we receive uh, direction. We we, we receive guidance on on how it is you might want us to live in in this crazy world. And Lord, I think a lot of times, uh, I know us pastors are are good at just kind of pointing out ways in which perhaps we need to live a little bit more faithfully. But Heavenly Father, it is my hope and my prayer today that perhaps we would come just to see that there is a God who cares so much for us, that sees us precisely where we are, and says, I have a hope and I have a future for you. That indeed there is a promise that goes with you today for your life now and for the life to come. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray that as uh, we continue to worship today and leave from this place, that we would know without a doubt we are blessed because you are absolutely interested in who we are and what we're about. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray that your Spirit would help us be about the things you have called us to be about, no matter what happens around us. And let us live in a way that entrusts that your Spirit is there with us to guide us and help us along. And know that by your power and your grace, you indeed empower us to be faithful to do anything. Thank you again for this time. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. We hope this sermon has encouraged you with the gospel of Jesus. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. May God bless you abundantly as you serve him today.